This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Big weekend for Husky football in the NFL, a new commitment, uh, rapid testing on its way by the end of the month, and college football is indeed underway, so lots to talk about, but seemed to be a real busy week in the NFL with the pro dogs, um, you know, uh, being cut, being uh, making rosters, being assigned to the practice squad, but uh, Scott, just on cut down day on Saturday, things started leaking out Friday. Any big surprises for you? Um, no, you know that Sidney Jones was completely cut. I, I think was a bit of a surprise. Um, I thought he might make the squad, and then they would trade him, maybe or. They would try and, but his trade value probably isn't very high right now. And I think that they were just ready to move on. And I think you and, and Chris and I kind of talked about it in our group text that we had after it happened that maybe a change of scenery is what this guy needs. And, um, you know, I, I think the fact that, um, he, he's been injury prone ever since he arrived, unfortunately, and just never really got over that Achilles injury. I think he's lost a lot of confidence. Maybe this move to Jacksonville as part of their practice squad will be, uh, you know, a positive move for him. And I think the other one that kind of surprised me, but not really because I'd heard he had a really good camp, was Dante Pettis um, being retained by San Francisco. Now, some of that might be due to some wide receiver injuries that they've had down there, but... Um, you know, John Lynch, I just posted a story earlier this morning about John Lynch, uh, the GM down there for San Francisco talking about how he's seen a hungrier Dante Pettis and, and maybe that'll manifest itself into a breakout season for him because he's got the capabilities. He just needs to, he just needs to get the opportunity. And I think he's going to have that opportunity this year. And Chris, when you talk about Sidney Jones, sometimes it's not just a change of scenery, maybe a little bit change of scheme. Sometimes you get into a scheme that fits your skill set better, and you know that helps quite a bit. I think the talent is there, but um, you know sometimes that change of you know scheme can have a big impact too. And as far as the trade goes, you know if you trade a guy, you're locked into his contract. If uh, Philadelphia did indeed waive him, if somebody picks him up on waivers, they're obligated to his contract as well. Him clearing waivers gives him the choice to go to any place he wanted. And he didn't sign on the official roster. He uh, um, signed on the practice squad, which is kind of a new rule in the NFL. You're able to bring guys in with longer service time and put them on the practice squad. I think the difference between practice squad for a rookie or guys who don't have the service time and practice squad for the veterans, I think that uh, rookies is, what, eighty four, eighty five hundred dollars and practice squad is about twelve thousand five hundred per week uh for the vested veterans. Does that sound about right, you guys? It's uh eighty four hundred a week for the first and second year guys and then twelve thousand per week for the rest. So yeah, with 
with Sidney Jones going to Jacksonville, it's it's a disappointing thing for him in the sense that there's two things going on here, really. Well, first of all, he signs a new four-year, $6 million deal with Philadelphia in May. So you're thinking that he's on his way. I mean, this is his second contract. This is his, you know, this is the one where he's going to get paid and he's really going to start to develop and be a real fixture in that Philadelphia secondary. And then literally he's waived what four or five months later. So something must have happened where he slipped off the radar or other guys moved up. Like you said, Kim, maybe it's scheme, what have you, but. This is a situation where because he just signed, like you said, the the team that would pick him up would have to pick up his contract. So that's why he's been put on the practice squad for, you know, for right now. And I think really what it ends up being is it ends up being another tryout. He's having to sing for his supper again to be able to show that he's worth that kind of money. And hopefully he'll be able to show that. Trey Adams being cut by Buffalo, also signed to the practice squad. Everybody I've talked to said he had a really good camp, but uh, uh, he's in a good place, likes it there, and they like him quite a bit. So uh, Trey Adams, somebody to keep. He's another guy with that injury bug that, you know, ever since that first um, injury, he just hasn't seemed to be the same guy, but I think the potential is still there. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you, and the fact is, Buffalo's offensive line is actually pretty good and and so for them to want to keep him on as a as a practice squad guy and someone that they could mold and and bring up and and kind of coach along and hopefully get him ready to go maybe in a year or two um that might be the most beneficial thing for them and for him so um always have loved Trey always enjoyed covering him when you're on the recruiting trail and then went in his four or five years here at the University of Washington so um hope, hope nothing but the best for him and and uh he's got the ability but um you know those injuries like you said Kim have really sapped uh what athleticism he did have and Chris one of the guys who just seems to be maybe forgotten a little bit by Husky fans but he just seems to be hanging around Jake Eldenkamp uh, he's with the Los Angeles Rams for a while and I believe now it was Indianapolis um got waived by them but picked up on the practice squad as well Yeah he's really kind of starting to establish himself as a journeyman type guy in the sense that you know he was signed uh by Los Angeles the Rams as a fr- undrafted free agent in 2017 then he was released and then he was picked up by Cleveland in 2018, then was released, picked up by New England in 2019, and now he was claimed off waivers by the Colts, um, you know, back in May of 2019. So, um, you know, he's a guy that you're, you're right. He's finding ways to stick around and, and right now on the practice squad, but still, uh, a guy that um, I think even when, again, I, can't, I think it's kind of what you were talking about, even at Washington, was a guy that was probably considered more of a, of a squad guy. But um, really, he carved out a nice a nice career for himself at Washington. And I think right now, as long as he's able to stay healthy and take advantage of those situations, he's a guy that can still make some money. I mean, he's he's on a four-year contract right now that would typically, if he was on the full roster, would be making him about a million dollars a year. 
that's great money if he can get it while it lasts. So I know he's working hard and, uh, hopefully that happens for him. Let, let, also, let's talk, let's talk for a second. I'm sorry, Kim. I know you're leading the discussion, you know, but just I just real quick. Per- he, he was also reunited with his offensive line coach yeah. at Washington. Chris Strasser is the offensive line coach at Indianapolis. Yeah. And let's talk about the amount of offensive linemen. When was the last time Washington had six guys in the NFL on either an active roster or on a practice squad? Because you've got Eldrin Camp on the practice squad at Indy, but you've got Coleman Shelton on the active roster at um, at uh, L.A. with the Rams. you got Caleb McGarry in the starting lineup for the Atlanta Falcons. you got Nick Harris. Have they figured out whether he's going to be the starter at center or not and in Cleveland? But whatever he is, whether he's a backup or whatever, he's in the active roster. You have Trey Adams on the, on the practice squad. And then, um, there was one more. Um, trying Senio to think Calamete of at Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Senio Calamete. When was the last time Washington had that many guys on active or practice squad wa- rosters? I can't, at least from the offensive line, I can't remember the last time that happened. And there will be more because the offensive line room at the University of Washington is loaded with young talent right now. Yeah, the way Scott Huff is re- has been recruiting, you know, it's going to g- just be a matter of those guys developing. And, and you got to believe that Scott Huff's going to really lick his chops and get get in with some of these guys that he's – these are his guys now. These are – the entire offensive line, I think, are guys that he recruited Oh, no, Luke El- Luke Wattenberg is the last one from Chris Strauser's class. Otherwise, everybody else is someone that signed either when he was there or was recruited and by him. So, um, yeah, i very impressed by what I've seen out of the offensive line talent coming out of the University of Washington when there was such a drought. What was it? Khalif Barnes and Joe Toledo were the only two guys for like, what, a decade and a half, like 15 years? Something like that. I mean, it was ridiculous how how bad it was. And for Washington, a, a top twenty five program, a quote unquote blue blood, to not have that many in there, it's it's nice to see them resurging in that area. Yeah. Also, Nick Harris has been playing right guard quite a bit with Cleveland. I'm not sure he's gotten a lot of reps at center, but uh, everything I've been reading, it's been right guard. But another guy who um, I think was actually, on the bubble. Jim, actually, the he's up for the center spot, starting center spot. J.C. Trotter got hurt. That's okay. why he's been getting reps at center. So yeah, there's every opportunity. Last time I read that he was, you know, they play at Baltimore for their first game and there was every, he's got every chance from what I've been reading that he's got a chance to start. So they had a little uh, clip of him mic'd up. Same old Nick. It was funny. It's always funny to listen to Nick, but uh, one of the guys that was on the bubble that I thought had a good chance to make the roster, I expect him to be on the active roster at some point, uh, the underdog, Miles Bryant. Um, they seem to really like him in New England. And, and just one other thing, Scott, you've been following the NFL uh, more closely than Chris and I, but usually when they have the cut down day and the waiver wire, you see a ton of transactions with the 32 teams. 32 teams with all the cuts, with everybody having to get down to 53 guys, 17 waiver claims. 17. That's it. I mean, that, that's an incredibly low number. Yeah. So what you're, what you mean is, Kim, there, most of the guys, uh, cleared waivers and then were signed to practice squads, right? Is that what you're talking right. about? Yeah, I yeah. know. I'm talking about guys claimed, which means they'd have to be on the active roster. Yeah, yeah. And usually the better teams, you know, like you'd expect Kansas City, Seattle, and some of the better teams to have players uh, claimed off of their uh, waiver wires for the roster cuts. But not well, one uh, not yeah. one Seattle player was claimed. 
a lot a lot of these kids so one uh I, I think it was the Seahawks had only one guy from their or no they had Nobody. for the first time since Pete Carroll came in um with John uh, Schneider for the first time they didn't have an undrafted free agent make the roster yeah and those guys their best chance to woo the coaches and prove that they can do something is in is in the preseason when they can get in games in live action and they haven't gotten that. So I think that's one reason why you're just not seeing a lot of these trans these waiver wire transactions and other things because teams are going to just stand pat with the guys they know because they haven't seen what the other guys look like in games whereas during the preseason in a normal year the coaches would be getting film every week of these players in uh game action and as soon as they hit the waiver wire they're like yeah that's a guy we want we're going to bring him in and so you know and they they usually when those guys that just barely make the 53 man roster let's say they were number 52 and 53 to make the the final roster they still have um a couple days that they need to be worried because <laughs> the other teams are lo- scouring the waiver wire to see if they can bring somebody in that that uh, has maybe a little more experience or or is a guy that they're looking for from a body style body style t- standpoint, and that, like you said, Kim, just didn't happen this this past uh, you know past forty eight hours. Miles Bryant, New England on the practice squad. Benning Patoi, uh, Tampa Bay practice squad. Jake Browning, uh, waived by Minnesota, but I know that they like him a lot. He's also on the practice squad. Chris, any surprises with any of those? No, I mean it. It must feel like kind of groundhog year for Jake Browning because. The exact same thing that happened to him in 2019, meaning he got cut and then he got put back on the practice squad when he cleared waivers. That exact same scenario just happened to him in the last 48, 72 hours. So um, I know he's in a good situation there. I know Minnesota really liked him. I think his signing bonus was well over $100,000 when he first signed as an undrafted free agent, which you just don't really ever hear about. Um, that was a pretty big one. The only two guys that were waived that have not gotten back to a practice squad or signed with someone else, uh, Andre Bocelli, uh, New England, and Jared Hilbers with the New York Jets. Um, those are the two guys that Washington fans have to look out for to see if they sign with another program at some point here. But everyone else uh, re-signed back to their practice squads. Uh, and then obviously we've got like Hunter Bryant made the uh, 53-man roster at Detroit, which I think is a phenomenal deal. I, the way I was reading it, it looked like it was going to be between him and the Georgia tight end, uh, Isaiah Nada, uh, and um, Hunter Bryant made the team. So that that's a great sign and uh, really kind of instills some belief that he knew exactly what he was doing when he decided to leave um, after the season and um, kind of prioritize his uh, path to the NFL because all that hard work obviously paid off. Um, Buda Baker, of course, signed the big contract with Arizona uh, about a week and a half ago. Taylor Rapp with the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, the guy who everybody is looking at expecting to have a breakout year, and I think this is his contract year with Vita Vea and expecting Vita to have a big year down in Tampa. Yeah, he's, it's going to be interesting with Vita because, you know, obviously he's, Benning is there with him now, and then also Jadon Mickens. So there's a little bit of a Washington cadre down there uh, in Tampa Bay. And uh, I think what you're seeing is, 
with uh, Scott talking about all the offensive linemen, what have you, that are are in the uh, program and all of the guys. Uh, I think there were seven guys that re-signed with their with their team's practice squads. I think what you're seeing is a lot of uh, stock is being placed in how Washington develops players. That even if they may not, they may be on the cusp of making the active roster or being put on the practice squad. They see the team see enough value in these players on and off the field to feel like feel really good about their prospects being a part of their program, and they want them around. And I think that speaks very highly of what Washington's done the last few years. And Scott, looking at Vita Vea down at Tampa, Tampa signed Tom Brady, and looks like they're going all in this year. And I think that's going to be the media darling of the NFL this year is going to be Tampa Bay and expect a lot of media coverage on that team, which means that uh, Vita Vea is going to have a chance to uh, really shine brightly. A lot more brightly. eyes on him. Yeah. yeah. A lot more eyes on him than maybe yeah. normally a, a Tampa team would, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and having Gronk down there um, is huge. And, well, you you know, I saw that Jadon made the team. Is he strictly going to be a specialist for them? Well, I mean, I think obviously he's being in the NFL, primarily, you play multiple. I think he's being used primarily as a specialist, but he obviously will have some value to them as a receiver if they, you know, if they need one. Yeah, yeah, and so Tampa Bay's got uh, three Huskies on either the practice squad or the regular roster, and then you got Detroit with um, Danny Shelton, uh, Desmond Trufant, and now Hunter Bryant. So you got three guys up there. Um, just kind of interesting to watch some of some of the, these how the groupings happen. You got Jordan Miller and uh, Caleb McGarry down in Atlanta. You got the Rams that have three guys in Corey Littleton and and uh, Greg Big oh, Greg Biggins Greg uh, Gaines and um, Taylor Rapp. So uh, Arizona has four. Yeah, Arizona has four. So um, it makes my job easy when I'm tallying up uh, stats for the Huskies. <laughs> I can just go to one team and get four guys. So uh, that oh, and and the Rams also have uh, Coleman Shelton. I forgot about him. So that's four for them as well. So and, yeah, and Seattle um, has three now that Eric yeah. Fuller has been put on back on the practice squad with uh, yep. and then Bill uh, Will Disley and Ben Burkirvin are on the 53 man yep. active roster. So there's yeah, there's definitely a good spread of. Uh, Huskies, like I said, 39 guys yeah. that are playing in the NFL still tops in the Pac-12 right now for act, for guys uh, yeah. that are on the active rosters or on practice squads. Um, and maybe maybe a guy like Jeff Bechtold could help us out with this, but uh, I don't remember that many active Huskies in the NFL because they didn't have practice squads back in the old days. But I don't remember this many active Huskies in the NFL um, at one time. At least in my, I'm 49, so I'm sure there's probably been a year. But maybe Jeff Beck told us somebody who can can give us something like that. I don't know, but uh, pretty pretty impressive uh, run for the Huskies over the last five to ten years. Something that slipped by us back in December, and uh, I texted you guys over the weekend. Were you guys aware of this? And you both said no. Uh, Jordan Miller was actually on the suspended list. He got suspended the day after Christmas. Maybe that's why it slipped by us. But on December 26, uh, he got suspended for PED. So he's actually on the suspended list with the Atlanta Falcons. I think it's th- uh, the first three or four games. So uh, keep an eye on Jordan Miller. And if you don't follow his mom, Buffy Miller, on Twitter, follow Buffy Miller. She's a hoot. Uh, and out on she's, Twitter. A, she's a hoot, and she's very pro-Husky. She, she is uh, – promoting the dogs to anybody who will listen out there. 
Yeah, she's funny. But uh, uh, moving on to the Pac-12, big news in the uh, Pac-12 with probably the overall best player and projected highest draft pick in the upcoming draft. The left tackle out of Oregon, Panay Sewell, has declared that he's going to go ahead and opt out. I'm sure Husky fans won't shed a tear over that, Scott. Yeah, I'm just hoping that um, he doesn't run into Miles Bryant, um, you know, once he gets drafted because he might get hurt again. You know, Matt, I, I still can't believe that his dad said that was on purpose. Anyway, we can go into that one another time. But um, no, I mean, honestly, I can't remember a better offensive line prospect that I've seen come out of of. Uh, college. Now, I'm not saying he's the best because I think there's a lot of great ones that have come out. He's better than uh, Garnett was. Joshua Garnett um, from Puyallup and then Stanford won the Outland and um, was an absolute monster for Stanford. Panay Sewell's better, and he is he is an unbelievable talent. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, Kim. Husky fans are probably not shedding one tier one bit, um, especially after they got their news earlier that Joe Tryon isn't going to be coming back to the University of Washington. So um, that's two marquee names out of the Pac-12. Maybe Joe Tryon's wasn't quite on the level of uh, Penny Sewell, but uh, still he was going to be an integral part for Washington, and he could have easily moved his way up uh, the draft boards, maybe not had, have gotten into the first round, but definitely into the high second round, possibly late first round, and, and – um, yeah, it's it's too bad that some of this is happening, but that that's just kind of the way things are going. Two years at Oregon, he's still only 20. Chris, is that young? Is that too young to go to the NFL, 20 years old? Uh, for a lot of guys, it would be, but not for Panay Sewell. I mean, that guy is Grown literally an ass man. <laughs> yeah, he's he's he is probably the best offensive lineman I've seen in the Pac-12. Um, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. And what's interesting in terms of the chronology of this thing is he – announces that he's going to go ahead and, and um, you know, go pro. And now later today, there's a very good chance Oregon could get a commitment from a guy who could be the next Panay Sewell in Kingsley Suamataya uh, from Utah. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they're absolutely reloading if they get a guy like Kingsley in there because he looks to me like he could be absolutely the next Panay Sewell. It's um, announced that the rapid testing, what was that, about a week ago, that the rapid testing will be available in the Pac-12 by the end of September without getting real deep into it. It's starting to look more and more the further we go down this road that we will have football at some point. Um, my gut says probably some point in January. Is that what your gut's telling you, Chris? Yes, I believe that's the push. I believe that there is going to be a concerted effort by the Pac-12 and the Big Ten to work together to coordinate this thing, to salvage it somehow, to try to get some of those, maybe that one big non-conference game. Maybe we will have Michigan playing at Washington. Maybe we will have Ohio State playing at Oregon. Um, we could see maybe that that those marquee games that we were all hoping for, and then obviously a, a revamp of the re a revamp of the revamp, the scheduling um, to try to get in, you know, at least six eight games, maybe even up to ten, and then uh, try to have a Pac-12 championship game. I would assume in March, and then try to give them a month or so off, and then 
they might have to stagger the the spring football a little bit later than normal, but they wouldn't be completely off schedule. That that's my that's my read on the situation. They've talked about getting the rapid testing in uh, to every Pac-12 school by the end of this month, if not early October, and then they can test those guys almost on a daily basis. And then that not only helps the the, the football programs, obviously, but that could help the the universities as well because we're seeing a ton of the outbreaks going on uh, on the regular campuses, and that would invariably spill out to the football programs because you can't bubble those guys. There's just no way to do it uh, reasonably. So that could help everybody. It could be a win-win for not just the football programs but for the schools involved. And Chris, we haven't had live Husky football or basketball to cover for quite some time. You know, just the Pac-12 tournament was the last time we actually had to cover live sports. Not to say that we haven't been busy. There always seems to be a lot going on. But, uh, boy, it's sure beginning to look like we're going to get, uh, we're going to get hit because I think we're going to have football and basketball going on at the same time for a couple of different months, a couple of months. So. <laughs> Gear up, get ready, because I really think that's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Kim, to see how the media is re- involved in this situation. Because I, I don't know if we're just going to do everything via Zoom meeting now. If we're, if if they're going to have coaches and player availability online, and we're just going to have to deal with that. And how does that affect the game days? I mean, how many, you know, how many people are going to be able to go into the press box, for instance, with social distancing? How many max media members can go in there? Um, yeah, there's just so many little pieces that have to get worked out, but I think just the idea that, that football and basketball are on the horizon and things are moving at least in a positive direction that way, I think is, is super encouraging. Got commitment for University of Washington Day, Chance Bogan and, uh, recruiting. There's some things going on, but, uh, tell people a little bit about, um, Chance Bogan. Yeah, three-star tight end prospect out of the South Sound. He played at Wilson last season. He's moved over to Lincoln where he'll be incorporated in their offense. And I know the Lincoln coaches are just ecstatic. He made the decision to move over to Lincoln, and and uh, he'll have two seasons there. And then uh, yesterday he put on the Husky hat and uh, did it up at the University of Washington outside the stadium. Kind of cool to watch his video just as he walked around the stadium and and uh, all the memories it's got to be, bring back from him because of his father's connection uh, when he was at the University of Washington. And um, this is an uber-talented kid um, just really scratching the surface. Last season caught, like, I want to say it was something like 25, 30 passes for 500 and some odd yards and like seven or eight touchdowns. And just, you know, a guy who can stretch the middle seam. He's, he's a bigger version. I, I should say taller version of Hunter Bryant, but the ex- exact same kind of athleticism, maybe even a little bit better athlete, maybe a little more explosive than Hunter was. Um, can get down the field, can really go up and get it in, in traffic and has soft hands. Very confident in what he can do. Um, he, he, uh, he talks a lot out on the field, but not in a, it, you know, he's not out there calling, you know, talking about people's moms or sisters or something like that. He's just telling everybody, Hey, I'm going to come and do this and, and I'm going to catch this pass. And, and he has no problem backing it up. So a uh, really nice pickup for Durham Cato and Washington. And I, I said it in my, in my uh, commitment impact that getting Bogan this early, almost getting 
Um, I'm totally drawing a blank on Bowers, Blake Bowers, um, almost getting him after being out of it for a long time, and then also snagging Jack Yerry. Durham Cato is becoming a force on the pack on the uh, recruiting trail, and and I think that coaches are going to be a little leery going up against him. I think he's going to get at least one or two big time tight end prospects every time he steps out and really goes after them. Scott, they've got. Bogan listed at 205 pounds. I saw him a couple weeks ago. He's bigger than 205. I mean, he, yeah. He, he's got a really thick lower body. He, he does. He does. Um, he told me him, okay, so Kim, for a guy in his position, he wants to be bigger, right? Just like the guy, so the offensive linemen, defensive linemen will always tell you they're smaller than they are, right? But guys like Chance Bogan want to be bigger. And so he told me he was like 207 when I saw him two weeks ago. So I think it's part of the way is just the way he carries it. He looks a lot bigger than he actually is. And, um, but, uh, he wants to play about 230 and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he's 230, 240 by the time he graduates from Lincoln, especially with the weight program they have there, the coaches that, that they have, he's going to be a great pickup for them and then for Washington once he gets to campus. Yeah, you you look at Chance Bogan, and I mean, you meet him, you stand next to him, you talk to him, and you go, yeah, he's he's easily going to put on twenty he's a dude. pounds, easy. Yeah, he's a dude. He's, yeah. he's that. Everybody talks about, you know, you got to find dudes. He's a dude. He's he's someone who who can be a difference maker on this team. Yeah, uh, great kid by the way too. Um, sounds like his yeah. dad, Curtis. Curtis was a big-time recruit out of Renton High School, only lasted a couple years at UW, and it sounds like his dad's had some uh, serious health issues too. So we wish him the best. But uh, do you think he's a tight end? I think he's going to be in that H-back tight end role that Hunter Bryant was in for for a while for Washington. I I don't know if he's an in-line guy, but he's going to have to become one. I mean, during Cato – will tell you straight up, hey, we expect our guys to do everything. They aren't just going to focus on, oh, he's a receiver, oh, he's a blocker. They're going to do everything. And if Washington is able to get Ryan Otten to come in and play for them, he's out of Tumwater. He's Kate Otten's younger brother. He's a big-time recruit, too. He's actually higher rated than Chance Bogan. You get those two guys in, basically you have Hunter Bryant and and uh, Kate Otten 2.0. And um, and I, I think that will be a nice little combo for Washington going forward. Scott, I was going to say, hate... Kim, real quick. I was going to Go say, ahead. just to add to that, um, you know, at 230, he could be obviously extremely effective down the seams, down the field, as we would all expect. I think one thing you could also think about, too, is he might get used as an inline guy every once in a while. But what about his effectiveness out on the you know, out on the islands, out on the extremes. You know, it's just if he's going up against DBs and and corners, a lot of times they could use him as a blocking weapon. And um, you know, he's already being he's already being used that way. He was used that way at Wilson. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to be used that way at Lincoln. Um, he's very very comfortable being spread out wide, and to have a guy that could potentially be 230, being out there as a guy that could be a convoy for some of those other receivers. As a downfield uh, blocker, I, I think that should be really enticing to a guy like John Donovan, for instance. Don't be deceived by 205 pounds. He's 16 years old. Don't be deceived by 205 pounds. Uh, Scott, I hate to throw just general stuff out. You know, I know you love this. 
because you get texts and phone calls from all your friends asking the same thing. What's going on in recruiting? Anything else we need to update recruiting-wise? By the way, how well, often do you get that? What's going on in recruiting? Oh, geez. From people who I actually usually go to when I get new information, you know, and stuff. And these are people that I can't – that I normally wouldn't share on Dogman just because it's like inside stuff. But these are these are guys who are kind of insiders too. And they'll call me, are you hearing anything? <laughs> so I'm like, um, no. Uh, there's not a lot going on. I mean, right now the 2021 class is down to three guys or two guys, and it's really JT and Emeka Egbuka and JT Two Malau Emeka Egbuka. I think other than that, I I'm having a hard time seeing them take anyone else in this class in the 2021 class. You know, you never say never to something, but they aren't going to get Troy Franklin. They aren't going to get um, Maliki Matavao. They don't really. I, I think they would have, I think they've already stopped recruiting him because, uh, you know, they don't, they've got one guy in for 2022. They've got two guys in for 2021 plus a guy yet, Jack Gary. So I, I think they're pretty much set at tight end, quarterback they're set. Um, you know, running back they're set with Caleb, Caleb, uh, um, Perry, uh, Caleb Berry. And, um, I, you know, maybe they, they take another running back if one comes available that they really like, but, um, I just I'm not seeing it. Just not seeing any other guys in the 2021 class. 2022 is going to really start picking up. If you guys haven't been checking out my stories on 2022 guys, I've gotten a lot of them over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to continue doing those. Washington's doing very well with a lot of the top guys on their boards right now. Um, and uh, I also over the weekend on Monday I put, I put up an article where you can watch an entire game of Void Tanufi against and his team east going up against um uh going up against american fork if you guys haven't got a chance to watch that it's three hours of differing styles and because american fork threw the ball all over the place the quarterback threw for like 650 yards and nine touchdowns in that game so it was just it was ridiculous watching that game it was uh and uh, Boyd Tanufi was on the field quite a bit. He was on for almost every offensive snap and defensive snap. So um, that's what's kind of going on in recruiting. I'm putting up a lot of 2022 boards, letting you guys know who's on the board early. I'm not giving you a list of, hey, this is the number one guy, this is the number two guy. We don't do that here on Dogman. But, um, you know, we're, we're telling you who they're after right now. And, and so I'm going to be producing those over the next couple of weeks. Chris, anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, just, you know, obviously it was great to get a chance to talk to Mike Hopkins against, again last week. Um, very curious to see how things are going to happen with the basketball program. I think they're obviously curious as well to see how this is all going to work out because, as people are aware, the Pac-12 has decided to postpone everything football, basketball, fall sports related until the beginning of 2021, meaning January 1st. And obviously that means um, eliminating basically all of Washington's non-conference basketball schedule. So I think now with this rapid testing development, there may be a push to try to get some games played in December, which would obviously be a, a, a positive thing as well. So great to talk to Coach Hop and, and get his thoughts. You know, we, we talked a little bit about it. I wrote about it last week how, um, you know, because of guys like Jaden McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart gone, as well as Brian Penn Johnson transferring to LSU, um, they're talking about being a lot more guard heavy with their offense. 
um, kind of like a four-out, five-out type offense um, that Jay Wright runs at Villanova, for instance, where there's a lot of uh, trying to get guys in space open in the perimeter, a lot of driving and dishing, um, spacing, that kind of stuff, a lot of screens and uh, and what have you. So it was great to get some insight on that and um, and also how he feels about implementing the the mix of man and zone defense, which he obviously tried to do a little bit at the beginning of last year. So good to talk to Coach Hopkins, and and we'll have some uh, a couple of more stories on on that uh, on that media session going forward. Scott, anything else we missed? Anything else you want to touch bases on before we wrap it up? Um, not right now. You know, um, you know, just enjoy the fact that, uh, we're still alive and, and there is the prospect of football down the stretch, you know, here and then the, probably about six months from now, but, uh, it's better than nothing. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to have a very busy January, February, March, April, because I'm used to being done with football and just kind of focusing on recruiting until we get to spring football in April and now, high school football, Pac-12 football, that's all going to be happening in January, most likely with camps, and then and then they get started on their seasons in February or March. So, going to be really, really strange winter and into spring for me and for you guys as well. But uh, at least we could get some football. As even though I love it in the fall, it's better to have it than not have it at all. Scott, you know that right there. I'm I'm a lyricist. Hey, Scott, you know that feeling we typically get after the 4th of July because we know it's coming? You know that time, you know, just right after the 4th of July, we start feeling that tingle, you know, because we know it's something, we know it's coming. I'm starting to feel like that a little bit. I just kind of get that feeling that we're not as far away as um, many people think. So, yeah. um, I feel a little uncomfortable with you termed that there, but uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, but, but no, no sir, in all seriousness, yes, Kim, I am a little bit too. I was hoping we could get something in November. I just don't see the Pac-12 being willing to do something in November. I think, like Chris said, January is probably when we get football stuff. I would love to see basketball ramp up in, in December, have that going all through the holidays and then kick off right after the first of the year, maybe the eighth of, you know, once they get back in school, going, going right to fall not fall camp, but training camp and, and then uh, getting into the season. It's, you know, like I said, Kim, it's better than nothing. I think we're going to have some practices coming up before you know it. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, keeping us busy for those out of town, uh, gorgeous weather in Seattle, despite the wildfires, a lot of smoke in the air, a lot of haze out there. You can smell the smoke with all the different wildfires. Um, I'm just trying to get a little bit of golf in while I can. Played yesterday at San my driver is in timeout. Big thanks to Passing Time Winery, Damon Hewitt. Had a couple bottles over the weekend. Good stuff. Mariners are on a six-game winning streak, and uh, that's about all. For all of us at DogMan.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 